Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. It's actually the September 11th, 9-11 edition, 2023 of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my longtime friend, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Yes, sir. And I think about September 11th and what a day it was. I just can remember those buildings falling down and all the ashes coming through. Yeah. The yeah. just clouds, clouds, and the people evidently got it in their lungs and had lung problems and everything. But I, I just remember those ashes upon ashes, just smoke clouds coming down the the street with the people running and and then just being covered up in the ashes. And then you saw them walking around just with a half an inch of soot on the, their clothes, just ashes just pure pure ashes and it's amazing visibility was cut off off. you could see about 20 feet and then it's just clouds of ashes and ashes the the sun was blotted out for those people it became dark for them the ashes literally covered the earth for those people at 9-11 and that's actually what we were doing i guess god you had a a purpose for us doing beauty for ashes last week because there was a lot of ashes yeah yeah so maybe we can continue something like that in light of the uh, yeah we joke around a lot on our podcasts and have fun but today it doesn't feel like joking around It, 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 it does feel like sackcloth and ashes you know, when you see that on TV and you're reliving it again. and You feel like wearing sackcloth and ashes. And to realize when those towers came down and it was, and then to realize there was people in the building coming down with them. Some of those ashes were literally flesh. They were people. It's just horrifying thought. Yes, it is. And I remember it was, we were unified as a country and we were unified kind of in a wrong way we just said let's get those SOBs that did this it's a sensitive thing to talk about because you don't know how you would feel if it's your relatives I know how I would feel I'd be let's get those SOBs that did this and kill them and make them feel pain and day of vengeance a day of vengeance let's have a day of vengeance we covered that in last week in the Isaiah 61. We actually purposely skipped over that because we said Jesus skipped over that day of vengeance where he burns everything and, and it all turns into ashes. All our works, the, the works of the entire world turn into ashes. I'm going to read Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Okay, do it, Bill. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me 
to preach good tidings. That's the word gospel. gospel. Good news. Euangelion. The, the Euangelion, yes. To preach good tidings, a good message. The Greek is that word kerugma, a proclamation, a good proclamation. Unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. There was a lot of brokenheartedness on 9-11. Yes. There's a lot of brokenheartedness in the world. Every day. And Israel, under the old covenant, was completely brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And we, we talked about how the law made you a captive, a prisoner to sin. Paul talks about the same thing, a captive. Held captive to do the will. That was the captivity that he was saying, I'll set you free, free from. from. It was the captivity of okay. our own human futility, like it says in Romans 8. The creation itself was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but of the will of him who subjected it. In our own human nature, we were subjected to futility. And Jesus said, I'm going to set you free from that captivity, that captivity of your own humanity. You're, as a human, you're captive, and it's to the sin that dwells inside of you. And you're right, it is the sin that he's talking about. And it's Paul is talking about the sin, which is the lie that came from the Garden of Eden. Yes. That you can be like God. And first off, who told them they were not like God since they were created in his image? Well, the lie that they that they had believed. And as someone said, the the best lie possible is the lie that makes you think you thought of it yourself. And the, the reason you think you thought of it yourself is to take on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saying, I can do it. And then the conclusion comes in your mind that I can't. I'm, I'm evil. Yeah. I can't do good. I'm naked and ashamed. I'm naked and ashamed. And they hid, and God said, Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree? Well, that is that is all part of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which later became the law, spelled out. All the righteous requirements of God were spelled out in the Ten Commandments. And, and it ultimately was a became ashes. Yeah, so that you would... Look at your ability to keep the Ten Commandments and you would believe a lie that you are unrighteous and unworthy. But all the while, he created you in his image. But you've lost all sight of that and all recognition that Christ lives in you. Yes. That the seed that is... The seed is in every person only needing to spring forth and getting a little ahead of myself but nevertheless all the righteous requirements 
are fulfilled in this seed that's talked about way in the Garden of Eden. I will put enmity between your seed and her seed, and he will bruise your heel, but you will crush his head. And there was a bruising of the hill. He will bruise your heel, and you will crush his head. Yeah, his seed, the seed that the serpent lied about, will bruise will Jesus. Crush you. Will bruise Jesus' heel, but okay. he will crush his head. He will put it into that lie. And that lie is that you're not like God. And, and, and the lie ultimately becomes ashes. That's what we're getting to. So all prophesied about. So let me let me start again in sixty one one. The audience might be lost. And me, me too. So the Spirit of the Lord, Isaiah sixty one one, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to our God to comfort all that mourn. And if you could, could you read where Jesus quoted this once again? Okay. I think you're talking about Luke, where Jesus was speaking. He opened the scroll and quoted from the scroll. It's in Luke 4.17. Yeah, he quoted the Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bound. Okay, and he left something off. He left off the phrase in the day of vengeance in our God. And we touched briefly on it, but can you review why did he leave? He, he left that out because if he would have said it, they probably wouldn't have tried to stone him and they wouldn't have wanted him to be put to death because that was part of his plan. His day of vengeance was going to come on the cross when, when God poured out his wrath and his vengeance on all flesh. Like he said in Jer Jeremiah 25, I have judgment with all the people and all the nations and all men that are on the face of the earth. So I'm going into judgment with the flesh, meaning that's what he was going to burn. That's what was going to burn. It's actually been put in the grave waiting to burn in the first Corinthians three judgment exactly. that where everything comes to the light and it's all burned by fire to see whether it produces costly jewelry or wood, hay and stubble, because I, I hope you guys understand that that 
is what happens at the end of time. That is the judgment that we are going to see happen. Like it said in Hebrews, it's appointed once for a man to die and then face judgment. Therefore, Christ was judged one time and he's not coming back in regard to sin. The judgment is not that he's coming back for is not about sin. Sin has already been judged on the day of vengeance. God got his vengeance on the sin. The sin has been vengeized. <laughs> but had they known, they would not have crucified the glory. So when Jesus reads this scroll, this is, in effect, is his opening day presentation. I'm the Messiah because he had just finished fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he shows up at the temple, just like prophecy said, and he reads his scroll and he says, today in your hearing, this is fulfilled. And they were like, who the heck is he? To say that. They should have been rejoicing, but they weren't. And they would have misunderstood the day of vengeance because they had the same mind they had the same thought of a day of vengeance as we as americans did on 9-11 vengeance was let's go to iraq or afghanistan find those sobs and let's kill them and back then it was let's get the romans together and have our vengeance and crucify them yes but had they understood that he was going to take judgment for every person that would ever live, they would not have crucified him and he would have never taken judgment for... Exactly. Exactly. Everything that we don't like about ourselves would never have been circumcised from us. We would have never been judged in our place. But everything that we never liked about ourselves was put in the grave for us. And all God sees is the beauty for the of, end. of what's left, the vessel. He, he thinks the vessel that he lives in is a beautiful thing. And the people that were Jesus' followers, the disciples, but there were more followers, when Jesus died on the cross, they were mourning because they didn't, they didn't get it. They didn't know why he had to die. Basically, they thought he failed in his mission. The day of vengeance to them, those people at that time, was to overthrow the Roman Empire and put the temple back and give them one more chance at keeping the law and living righteously and producing their own righteousness by keeping the law. That was their idea of what the Messiah was there to do. They really never, the idea of Jesus coming to take away their sins, to pay their sin debt in full, to set them free, doesn't it say that in there? From the sin, that's what Paul talks about in Romans 7 and Romans 8, to no longer make them captive of sin, Romans 7 and Romans 8, to give them righteousness, Romans 5 and Romans 6, 
was all in what he came to do. Yes. And he came and he lived the perfect life and he was crucified. And when he was crucified, all the violated righteousness of the law was paid for in full. Actually, it says he will give you double. It was paid twice. He suffered enough <laughs> to pay for two lives of sin. He paid enough for the people that flew those planes into the building to be all their sins paid for. And I know that's not a... That's rad. Yes, that's yeah. rad. But it's true. No, it's not in my mind. In my mind, they... They got what they deserved. They died. They died, and I hope they died a painful death. Yeah. Not painful enough to right. satisfy my, my sense of righteousness. But there's something I want to look at in John 12, 24. Okay. Because it has to do with this harvest that takes place at the end of Isaiah 61. Trees of righteousness. Okay. A garden planted by God. Good deal. So let's, you know it off the top of your head. Unless a kernel, Jesus oh, is saying yeah. this, unless a kernel of wheat, wheat or seed or grain of seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it becomes a great harvest, harvest or bears much fruit. Exactly. In other words, when Jesus said, I'm going to be planted in the ground, I'm going to die and be planted, and I'm going to come up and bear much fruit, I'm going to make many, many trees, he's talking about the exact same thing as Isaiah in Isaiah 61. It's we don't have a great harvest unless the he seed dies. And that's why he said, didn't talk about the day of vengeance because that was the day the seed would be planted. He would be buried. So he didn't say that because he wanted to get to the point where he became a great harvest he, and he was sprouting up everywhere just like a See, in other words, Isaiah tells you exactly what's happening so we, we should just look at it and see how cool it is. It's the fulfillment and no one picked up in John 12 when he said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. Like, what is he talking about? No, that was for our benefit. That was so we could see just exactly how spot on Isaiah was. So let, let's... And it says he said this to indicate the kind of death he would die. A death that would include all the vengeance of God on every person that has ever lived and will ever live was all put on Christ and he was judged and God was vindicated. No, and God, we, we are, were vindicated. We were vindicated. In God God's was eyes. never, you're right, scratch that. Okay. <laughs> we were vindicated. Okay, in other words, that was the secret that Jesus was keeping that when he died, Everybody gets vindicated. The vengeance of the Lord is expressed to Jesus. That's why nobody would have crucified him if they knew that. But that's exactly what Isaiah was telling everybody. Look at all the verses in this Isaiah passage that says 
he's going to vindicate. It's going to be his day of vengeance. He's going to judge the whole world. And then that's what he puts in there. Then everything can sprout up. And he talks about sprouting. And, and then righteousness will be everywhere. And Israel will be seen as righteous. And everybody will love it. All the nations will because of the vengeance part. Look, that look. was the mystery. The cross was the judgment of the world. Yes, and that's what Isaiah was saying. Let's and look that's at what some... Jesus said. Now it's the judgment of this world. Yeah, they were all trying to tell everybody, but... Now let's... it's the ruler of this world cast out, the one that could accuse you. Yes, so let's look at Isaiah where he was talking about judging. Okay. He doesn't do much of it. He, he keeps it kind of a secret, but you remember he said he said Jesus came to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. That's when he was going to punish everybody through Jesus. Then it goes on to say, God says, I hate robbery and the burnt offering, and I will faithfully give them their recompense. That means that they, they're going to pay for what they did wrong, pay for the robbery, and they paid through Jesus. That's why the rest of the... You see the, how he puts those two together? Sorry to interrupt you, Steve. You see how he, he puts the acceptable day of the Lord in the... The acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. Those are two specific days that weren't connected really till Jesus connects them, Isaiah connected them. But the acceptable year, year. of the Lord is the Jubilee year. And what happened it, it, to anyone that had a debt? It was wiped out the day of vengeance for all your debt. What if you lost your property? You got it back. Well, what if you lost your property because you were stupid and did got it back? What if you lost your property? Be all your sins, all your stupidity was paid for. You got it back. Double. That was the year of Jubilee. That was the year of Jubilee that he would come after everybody paid their sin debt on that secret day that he barely, barely, barely mentions. But he goes so on. So what was the day of vengeance? Was that when Jesus went to the cross, but yeah. not in their minds? No, no, I know. It was Judgment Day. Yeah, that, that was what it was. That's what was being prophesied right here in Isaiah. Wow. Yeah. And, and then, it's, so that way it goes on and says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. Why? Because he paid all my sin debt. He took care of me. It's the year of Jubilee. He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As for the earth brings forth sprouts, and the garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. Before all nations, didn't it say that our righteousness would be seen by all the nations? Our righteousness would spring up because our righteousness is none other than Jesus Christ. And it springs up or it manifests in us and everybody can see Jesus in us acting the way 
a person is supposed to act, not acting like a Yahoo trying to be a person who is acting the way you're supposed to act. Jesus actually does it for real. No hypocrisy in Jesus, but that is what it said. That's why in Isaiah, after it said, I will give them recompense, and then it says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see will all who see all who sees them will recognize them because they are the offspring, the seed of the Lord. Didn't Jesus say, unless the seed is planted in the ground, it won't bear much fruit? Well, the seed went in the ground. Then it went to the third heaven. Now the seed is in you and I and everybody on the planet and all the nations can see that seed blossoming in us. It can sprout up within us and manifest itself for us from the beginning of this book till the end of this book. It's all telling us the same thing that Christ took away everything that we're ashamed of and left that in the grave. And one day he will burn it right in front of our eyes. And as Malachi says, we will walk on those ashes. Isn't that amazing? We will walk on the ashes of everything that we did not like about ourselves. Every failure we ever had will burn and we will walk on those ashes. Is that not worth praising God for? Isn't it worth giving him glory? Because he made us all righteous all by himself. He, he did it all for us. We had no part in it. He crucified his son to do it. And he crucified his son so that he could make this new covenant in with us. What is the new covenant? I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk a righteous Christian life. And I will remember your sins and lawless deeds no more. That's the new covenant that he was talking about. He says, then I will make a new covenant with them. Right there in Isaiah, 700 years before and the new covenant is the beauty or the ashes. The, the, the beauty was the the crown with the silver, gold, and costly stones. It's, it's the work of the Spirit. And I think the next one says, and I will give the beauty for ashes. That's the... The, the crown? Yeah. The crown for the things that burned up. Right. The things that burn up are the wood, hay, and stubble. The things that don't burn up are the silver, gold, and costly stone, and we get that as a crown. Yes. That's the crown of righteousness, it's sometimes called. That's what beauty for ashes means. How about the oil of joy for mourning? The oil is spirit, and the spirit produces the joy. The joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Didn't Jesus say, we just covered it, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, 
it remains with a single seed, right? When it is buried, it becomes, becomes a many oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord. The Lord planted it. And going back to our word we learned last week, that was the causative righteousness. Oh, you got that one in there, huh? <laughs> He caused it all, man. He caused it all. He caused our righteousness. He exchanged all our filthy rags for his righteousness. Exactly. And because of our conscious, sin conscious, that we got from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's destroyed. And the memory is supposed to be destroyed. That's why he keeps saying, don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Paul says, don't you know? that all of us who were baptized into Christ were what identified with his death that was the day of vengeance that was the day of judgment don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ were baptized in his death we were buried with him into baptism into death in order that what is that Romans 6 in order we that the, walk in newness of, of life yeah, there it is. newness of life Fresh his his life, life in us because life. we are the vessel now. He died, took care of everything that we're ashamed of and that would bring us shame and made us vessels that are righteous in God's eyes and then put the life in us and we can walk in that newness of life. See, those words have a lot of meaning. So we're oaks of righteousness. And then it says, for he who has died has been what? Acquitted did. from all his sin. That was the day of vengeance. That was the day of vengeance. It was you the were day. acquitted from all your sin. God enacted his vengeance. He just enacted it on the old man of us, the human nature of us, the bad tree of us. All those illustrations that Jesus gave for flesh and spirit, he, like he said, he brought them up in a big net and separated the good ones from the bad ones, the old man from the new man, and rewarded us according to what the new man did and put the old man in the fire and we walk on those ashes. I'd say that the Apostle Paul was convinced of this. Doesn't he make that declaration? Yeah. yeah. For the love of Christ, this is Second Corinthians five fourteen. Yeah. For the love of Christ compels me, constrains me. In the Greek, it's literally got me hemmed in on all sides. I can't escape this thought. And the thought is that if one died for all, then all died. If the day of vengeance that Isaiah is talking about is when the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, if the day of vengeance is when Jesus went to the cross and took upon himself the sin of the whole world, if he died for all, then all died. Then vengeance was carried out Every, every human being that would ever live and the apostle Paul was convinced of this and then he says I'm convinced that if one died for all that all died 
So if he died for all, then those who live should no longer live for themselves. What is living for themselves? Isn't it living by the human effort? Exactly. The old covenant? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead, they should live as a vessel for the Lord. For him who's died. Yes. I've been crucified with Christ. That's a statement. Mm-hmm. Galatians. Was that the vengeance of the Lord? Yeah, that was. I went through that? Yeah. I was crucified with Christ. My sin debt was paid. Yeah. And I no longer live. Yeah. What is I no longer live? It's the I living by the law, by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The man I no longer the, the live man, that way. The man with the burden of the law no longer lives in right. God's eyes. He's acquitted. Just on television and radio Christian programs. Yes. <laughs> they resuscitated the Adam, brought him back. Put the law back on him. Yeah, ain't that the truth? That's so sad. So sad. It's sad, but I've said it too, so I I can't say anything. But he says, I that guy no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live. And this is going to sound strange. It's, it's not really saying I live by my faith in Christ. Not at all. I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God, the faithful one. Yes. He lives by the, you could say, by the energy of the Son of God, the energy that's always faithful. He, he lives by the faithfulness of the Son of God, not the faithfulness of his own determination because that proved unfaithful. He lives by the faithfulness of the Son of God who manifests himself through Paul. He is a vessel. I no longer live, but he lives in me. So I no longer live, wouldn't that be the ashes? Yes. But Christ lives in me. Would that be the beauty? That would be the beauty. A garment of praise? The vessel is the beauty, and it's the one that gets the reward or the crown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, it is. The silver, gold, and costly stone is what made up the beauty. It was a crown of uh, silver, gold, and costly stone. It was, And we get that for the ashes. The ashes are the kernel of wheat that fell to the ground and died. Uh-huh. The, 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 the dead works all burnt up. Burnt up. And Malachi literally says we walk on those ashes. They, 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 they're under the sole of our feet, Malachi says. Unbelievable, man. It's, see, the Bible is constructed without any errors. It's always on the same topic and it's always right on whether it's being written through Isaiah making prophecies or Jesus saying today this prophecy is fulfilled no matter what. It, it just fits together perfectly 
and gives you a picture of what it's like to live in the new covenant where you're the vessel of God and you don't have the burden anymore. You just let God manifest himself through you and do everything that God had planned for Jesus and relax and give Jesus the credit for what he is doing through you. That is the new covenant. I'm the vessel of God. Jesus works through me and blesses everybody around me. I give him the credit and I store up treasures in heaven. It's a very simple covenant. It's this new covenant that God made with us. He said, I will make a new covenant, not like the one I made with your forefathers that they couldn't keep. I will put my spirit in you and cause you. You'll be the vessel that I cause to shine because I'm working through it. I am doing God's eternal purpose through you. And people are watching me do it and they think it's you doing it as the vessel and you have to say, no, it's not me doing it as the vessel. It's God in me. He's doing all this good. And that stores you up treasures in heaven. Super simple covenant. The way you said that reminded me, said it will not be like the first covenant. That's a huge clue because Paul picks up on that. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives his life through me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. And in the King James, it says in verse 21, I think it is 21. This is Galatians 2, 21. Galatians 2, 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. If you're covenant that you're living on is like the first covenant that's frustrating you're frustrating the grace of god in your life yes you're living by the old covenant still yes if, if it's if you're frustrating grace you're living by some form of legalism some form of self-righteousness that is quenching the spirit you you do realize that quenching the spirit is trying real hard in your own human effort to do the best you can. I always thought quenching the spirit was when I, you know, go to the bars, go to the bars or rat the streets or whatever, do the worst things I can. I'm quenching the spirit, but quenching the spirit is when I tried to do the very best I can and I look just perfect and don't give the spirit credit for what it is doing through me not a good way to go we can show you all the verses about it, it talks about they they have a form of godliness but deny the power of the godliness they're doing the right thing so to speak but they're doing it in the wrong power they're, they're doing it they're the source of their strength is human determination or yeah. legalism yeah and if it's beautifully if it's being beautifully done is Christ in them doing it and then they're saying didn't we play a dirge for you and didn't we do all these things in your name they're, they're taking credit for having done the good that Jesus did through them and what did Jesus say depart from me because he's saying something that goes along with this new covenant the whole Bible is constructed in a way that you get 
the gist of this new covenant. Everything that Jesus said was so that you would get the gist of it. Everything that the prophet said was flowing along so that you would get the gist of it. And you would come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Abide in me, and I will abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So all, the whole Bible is constructed to teach us those thoughts so that we can be good vessels. Yeah, abiding in the Lord sounds a lot like the planning of of God, the trees of righteousness in Isaiah 61. Yeah. And back to what you were saying Jesus said, I never knew you. And another word for I never knew you is you didn't experience my spirit when you did that. You didn't have the anointing, the oil of anointing and the garment of praise and the beauty, the crown of righteousness. You that, didn't have any of that. That is so right on. Someday we've got to do a podcast on that. You're scooping up your ashes and showing them to me. Oh, and well said. I don't that hurt. Ooh, scooping up your ashes and remind me of Scooble on your scooping your Scooble on <laughs> and saying, Isn't it beautiful? No. No, it's not. It's not. But that, I. Ha- that's what Paul counted. All his righteousness he counted as Scooble on. He literally says that in Philippians. But all that I had done or accomplished and all that I own or have or anything I count it as scubalon, which is the word for dung. Cow dung is what he was saying. Can you imagine showing somebody your cow dung and saying, isn't that beautiful? It looks like a crown to me. But no. he says, no, I'll give you a crown right. for your scubalon. Right. Give me the credit and you'll receive the crown. So on this day, 9-11, we, we want to say as loudly as possible that what happened on 9-11 was horrible, horrible, horrible. And those ashes were horrible, horrible, horrible. Yes. But what Isaiah prophesied is an entirely different subject. It has nothing to do with New York. He prophesied that. Everything that we do not like about ourselves and even a lot of the stuff that we were proud of burns. And what God does through us stores us up treasures in heaven. And on that note, let me just pray, Father God, allow us to give you the credit always for so for to store up treasures in heaven, Father. We give you the credit, Father. We would only do that by your power, by your spirit speaking through us, Father. So we ask you to fill us with the spirit that gives you credit for what Jesus does inside of us. Give us that spirit because it only testifies about Jesus, isn't it? That what it said? The spirit testifies about him. Give us that spirit in more than abundantly, Father, more than abundantly. In your son's name I ask, amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. 
thanks you guys for listening to us and being faithful yes. to our our podcasts. It's it's not about Stephen myself. It's really about getting this message of his righteousness out. Yes. It comes through grace. It comes through the Spirit. Yes, you guys. Tell everybody that you know uh, about the, the message of grace. Point them our way if you don't mind. We love you guys. Good night. Good night, you guys. We love you.